developing, or developing, I guess, confidence in God. We like to think that we have that. But, you know, confidence, just like anything else, has to be developed in our lives. <clears throat> you know, and to me, that's really one of the key elements of the Word. You know, the Bible declares that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. But as we continue to, we continue in the Word, confidence continues to grow in our life. The assurance that what God has promised in His Word is made available to us and we're going to be able to trust in Him and in every circumstance, in every situation. But there's a, there's a growth that goes along with that. You know, and I, I think, you know, oftentimes with the word of faith and so forth, we, we talked about growing in faith. <clears throat> you know, but really, when you, when you stop and look at it and you stop and study it, you know, when we're, when we're saved, when we're born again, we receive the measure of faith. We, we need all the faith that we need to speak to the mountain, say, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and it's got to obey us. Why? Because we have the level of faith. But it's, it's growing in that confidence and assurance that what God says he's going to do, he's going to do. You know, because that's where, that's where the victory really um, lies in our life. You know, we get so stressed out, we, we worry about so many things, and, and what that stress and worry does is it, it takes us out of that position of rest. You know, where, where God wants us to be is in a position of, of rest, dependence upon Him. And, and when the Bible talks about having a, a rest, it's not talking about inactivity. When we're resting in the Lord, that doesn't mean that there's not any activity in our life. That doesn't mean that we're, we're not studying the Word, not <clears throat> uh, applying the truths and the principles in our life. That's, that's not what that's talking about, but it's, it's talking about entering into a place where we're, we're not stressed out, we're not worried about every circumstance around about us. I mean, you, you look at the social media and people are going wacko, you know, because of what's going on in the world. And they're stressed out, they're anxious, they're worried. But see, we don't have to be that way because we have the confidence, we have the assurance of God's Word. And so what needs to take place is we need to grow in that, we need to develop that in our lives so that um, we believe that what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the cross is still true, it's still relevant in our lives today. And so it's in that that we begin, to, uh, we begin to grow in confidence. You know, what the enemy wants to do is, you know, we, we, we look at when a test comes against our life, we look at it from the standpoint that, you know, maybe we failed or maybe we've fallen short in some area. But you know, tests and trials are part of life. And when we have those tests and trials, what they're doing, is they're going to develop us. It's going to set our roots deep so that when crisis comes against us in our life, we're going to be able to stand. You know, Dr. Cole always said <clears throat> that life consists of entering and leaving crisis, and what determines whether or not our life is successful or not 
is not whether or not we enter and leave crisis because we will, but how do we enter and leave crisis? We experience some kind of crisis in our life, does it, does it destroy us? Does it take us out of our, our place of rest? Does it leave us hopeless, thinking there's, there's no way out? Or do we put our trust and we put our confidence in, in Him and in Him alone? So let's go ahead and look in our Bibles. Let's, if you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn it to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. What I want to talk with you today about is finding our place in God. Finding our place, that place of rest, and, and how important it truly is for each of us to find that place of rest, to find that place where we can rely upon Him, that we can lean upon Him, and not lean on our own understanding. Because, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm convinced that one of the, you know, thank God for education and so forth, but one of the problems that we have is that we, we begin to lean on our own understanding. We begin to have this idea that we've got it all figured out, and, and we don't. And that's where we need to lean on God. We lean on His understanding and we put our trust completely in Him. But in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, the 35th verse, it says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. He says, Don't cast away your confidence, which has great, re great reward. You see, putting our confidence in Him, being assured that God is going to do exactly what He told us He's going to do in His Word, there's a great reward that comes with that. When we have confidence that God is our healer, the reward is healing. When we have confidence that God is our supplier, the need, whatever that might be, is met. He supplies that need. And so we need to have great confidence in Him. And it says that in that confidence is going to bring great reward. 36 verse, for you have need of endurance. You have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So we need to have endurance so that we might see the promise manifested in our life. And so if we, if we give up, if we quit, if we step out of that place of rest, we're not going to experience the reward that's been truly made available to us. You know, that word endurance there is, is the word patience. To be patient. To be consistent. To be the same no matter what the circumstances are around us. We need to be exactly the same. We don't change. You know, if everything's wonderful, if everything's going great, we ought to be the same as when we're experiencing trials in our life. Because our confidence isn't in the circumstances around us. Our confidence is always in the Word of God and the promises that He's made available to us. You know, I believe, we, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, that one of the primary weapons that the enemy has against us is to bring shame. 
Because if he can bring shame into our life, we lose confidence. And if we begin to lose our confidence, then we're not going to look to him. We're not going to depend upon him. We're not going to expect to see those promises come into manifestation. Because if I allow shame to rule in my life, then I see myself as not being worthy. I see myself as not being a candidate for the blessings of God to come into my life. And so his patience, patience is defined as consistency, <clears throat> to be constant. And so we need, to, we need to be constant in every situation in our life. We need to employ patience. You know, patience doesn't mean just putting up with. Patience means that we remain the same until we see the manifestation of whatever it is that we're believing for. And so, you know, when we, we look at the scriptures, there's, we, we look at the study of the word, we look at meditating on the word, we look at confessing the word. And all of those things are so important in our life. And for us to experience that consistency, those things are important in our life. And so it, it provides us, the scripture provides us with the strategy that's necessary for us to experience the victory in our life. And so I want to look at the first one of these strategies, and all of these things are things that you're very familiar with. And the first one we find in Romans, the 12th chapter, and we talk about the renewing of the mind. You know, the real battle that we experience in life is the battle in, of the mind. You know, uh, our thinking, how we think, the process of thinking. That's where the battle takes place. If we, can, if we can manage our mind, if we can get the victory in our mind, we're going to experience victory in life. You know, I, I really believe that one of the areas of weakness that we see in, in not just Christians, but in society in general, is that we're weak-minded. You know, uh, you, you, you look at all the statistics and so forth, and, and they say, you know, as a pastor, you shouldn't preach over 20 minutes because people can't concentrate that long anymore. Well, <clears throat> I don't accept that. You know, and so if that's the case, I'm going to call those things be not as though they be. You know, my congregation has minds that they can endure, <clears throat> even me, for more than 20 minutes. You know, but, but they, 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 they have all these things, you know, kids, you, you've got to uh, switch what you're doing with them for every 10 minutes because they can't concentrate long enough. And, and, and you hear teachers talking about the, the difficulty that they have with their, their students, with them concentrating and so forth. And, and of course, I personally believe that one of the problems with that, one of the, the issues is that the people don't read anymore. You know, they, uh, they, they get all their information off Facebook, and so you got two little clicks of your phone, and that's as long of an article that anybody's going to read. People don't don't read anymore. You know, <clears throat> there's this commercial on TV, and uh, I think maybe it's Papa John's or Papa Murphy or something or other. Anyway, it's pizza. 
And they're talking about how, you know, certain people anymore, they're ruining pizza night because they don't want to have pizza, they want to have a salad. You know, and, and the, the guy, as he's going through it, he, he, he you know, and, and supposedly he's not there, so he's able to say what he wants to say and they don't hear him. He, he gets behind this woman who's eating this salad and he says, eat a pizza once in a while. You know, but what we want to do is we want to be on our computers. We want to allow the, the television to think and dream for us. And what I want to say to you is, read a book once in a while. You know, because it's, it's good for you because it, it, it makes your brain be active. And the problem that we have is our brains aren't active. They, everybody, everything thinks for you. Thank God for a good movie. If you ever find one, let me know because <clears throat> I don't know where they are. But we watch a movie and it does, it does all your imagination. It does all your thinking for you. You pick up a good book and you, you've got to use your imagination. You've got you've to think a little bit. And you see, we're weak-minded because we, we can't concentrate anymore. And so a deception comes our way and we, we immediately yield to it because we haven't learned how to take our thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You want to learn how to take your thought captive to the obedience of Christ? You start reading your Bible. Because every time you pick up your Bible and you begin to read it, everything that you need to do comes pouring into your brain. Everything that you forgot to do pours into your brain. Every distraction begins to try to come against you. Why? Because it wants to distract you from the Word of God. And so if you're reading your Bible, you've got to learn to concentrate. You've got to learn to take thought captive so that you focus upon the Word of God. Now let's look at Hebrews, or excuse me, Romans, the 12th chapter. And I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. It's talking about taking thought captive because that's where our battle is. It's, it's, it's in the mind. Um, if, if we don't like the way that we are, we're living, we need to begin to think differently. Because where we are in life, it doesn't just happen. There's always a thought process that's involved in getting there. You know, people talk about how when they fell into some kind of a sin or whatever it may be, a bad situation, you don't fall into that. We walk into it. Because it begins with a thought, we entertain it, and after we've entertained it, we follow it. And we walk in that direction. But in Romans, the 12th chapter, the first verse, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive uh, dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and, and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, uh, reasonable, rational, in, intelligent service in spiritual worship. 
And so we're to be a living sacrifice to God. You know, somebody, when I was pastoring back in Wisconsin, preached one time, it was right around Easter, and he said, he made this statement, he says, you know, the problem with a living sacrifice is that it keeps crawling off the altar. And that's why to be a living sacrifice to God, we continually have to make that decision that I'm going to place my life, I'm going to place all that I am on the altar before God that he might use me for his glory, for his, for his purpose. And so he says it's a, it's a decisive decision that we have to make. You won't, you won't serve God by default. We have to make a decision that we're going to serve God with all of our heart, with all of our strength, with all of our might. That's a decision that we have to make in our life. Now, once we've made that decision, thank God for His mercy and His grace because it upholds us and it empowers us. But we've got to make that decision that He's going to be number one in our life and we begin to make those decisions every moment of every day because it doesn't happen by default. It doesn't happen just one time. It's a continuous thing. And then we go on into the second verse and it says, do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external uh, spiritual customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to the world. You know, what's going on in the world has a pull upon us, and, and we, can, we can be conformed to that. We can begin to look just like the world without even trying. There's this, this conforming that takes place. But it doesn't say, but then it says we're to be transformed. And when we're transformed by the Word of God, that's something that, that begins on the inside, and it, it, it transforms us from the inside out. What's on the inside begins to manifest on the outside. And so again it says, do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external uh, spiritual customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewing of your mind, by its new ideas and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourself what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and accepted, acceptable and perfect in the sight, uh, in His sight for you. And so we're transformed into the image. And how's that happen? It happens through the new renewing of our mind. You know, I had to renew my mind this morning. You know, when I got up this morning, my, my mind wanted to say I was sick. Well, I may have a symptom in my body, but by the stripes of Jesus, I've been healed. And as the redeemed of the Lord, I declare it to be so. Y'all agree with me, amen. If you don't agree with me, keep your mouth shut. You know, <clears throat> but, but so I'm, I'm redeemed through the blood of Jesus. Now, I can't tell you how many times I wanted to just lay back down in the bed this morning. You know, of course, 
I'm using wisdom, and so I'm not breathing on any of you today. Can I hear a praise of the Lord? <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, the enemy wants to convince me that I can't function, uh, that I need to lay down and just accept what will be, will be. Oh no, I, I, I'm redeemed through the blood of Jesus. And it'd be a slap in his face for me to lay back down on the bed and say, well, I guess when it'll be, it will be. You know, feel kind of dizzy here and so. You know, really, <clears throat> that's not the worst of it. I don't, I, don't handle, I don't handle drugs very well. You know, and so I, I, I take this stuff and I don't know what's worse. You know, my head swirling without it or my head swirling double with it. You know, so if I look at you kind of squirrely, you know, don't, don't think anything, anything of it. You know, we, <clears throat> when we were out in Oregon, we just got back on Tuesday, we were leaving Walmart, and you know, uh, out there uh, in Oregon, recreational uh, marijuana has been legalized this year. You know, and it's not uncommon when you're in a fairly large city that there's people around with signs asking for food and water well, when we were coming out of Walmart, there's a guy with a sign and he was holding it up and he said, need weed, anything will help. <laughs> and I, I just could kick myself because I didn't take a picture. Because I know some of you are th sitting there thinking, I doubt that. No, I saw it with my own eyeballs. Need weed. And uh, so anyway, I don't know why I, I got there, but we did. You know, so anyway, we need to renew our mind. That dude needs his mind renewed. You know, that, uh, that we didn't gonna do it for him. You know, and, uh, and, and of course, you know, all over the country, they're wanting to legalize it and so forth because in their thinking, they're at the place where they think this can answer so many of our problems, so many of our issues. Let me tell you what will solve your problem, your issue. I'm not just talking about weed. I'm talking about any of them. It's Jesus. Until you get your mind renewed to that, until you begin to see Jesus as your answer, we will always fall short. We'll not experience the abundance that he's made available to us. But he says, don't be Don't be conformed to this world. Am I, did you do something? Uh, you just wanted us all to know you take notes, right? So, but don't be, he said, don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed. And the thing about it is, is what we need to realize is that when I, when I begin to allow the Word of God to work on my mind, there is a transformation that he works in my life. It's not me trying to produce a change. It's he bringing about that change in our lives. And so we need to yield to him. So it's not us performing to accomplish his will. We're being changed so that his will is being accomplished in our lives. The second thing that I want to talk with you about is, is the confession of the Word, speaking the Word out. You know, we went through a period of time when we were first saved and got a hold of the Word of Faith message that 
we confess the word continuously. We had it pinned up on our mirrors. We had it pinned on our, or maybe not pinned, but taped on our dashboard of our cars. Every place that we went, we had the Word of God in front of us because we, we knew that it was important to, to speak the Word, to confess the Word. And I think, I think we've, gotten, we've gotten away from that. And one of it was, one of us, one of the reasons was because we began to see that we couldn't, we couldn't work God. But see, confession was never about working God. It was about working something on the inside of me. And so we don't, you don't have to convince God to bless you. You have to convince yourself that God wants to bless you. That's, the con that's where the confidence comes in. And so when we take that word and we, we speak it out, we're not convincing God of something, but there's something that's taken place on the inside of us. We're beginning to see things differently. We're beginning to see it the way he wants it to be accomplished in, our, in, in, in each of our lives. We need to see that the words that we speak out of our mouth, that there's power that's there. But I, I think oftentimes we just see words as being words. Confession as being confession. No, what we say is, in, is extremely important. And so we need to guard our words, but we also need to learn to speak out those words that we want to see come into manifestation in our lives. In Hebrews, the 10th chapter, and the 23rd verse, it says, let us hold fast. Let us hold fast the confession of hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast the confession of hope. You see, if there's anybody that ought to have hope in this world, it ought to be you and me because of what Jesus has done in our life. But it says that we have to hold fast to it. Why do we have to hold fast to hope? Because everything around us is trying to rip it away from us, trying to take it away from us. And so when we see those truths, those promises in the Word of God, we need to take a hold of it and we need to hold on to it. Hebrews says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so those things that we're, we're hoping for, those, and, and, and hope, Bible hope is, is not a hoping and a praying. It's not a wishing. Bible hope is you see the promise in the Word of God that it belongs to you, but you've not seen the manifestation of it yet. See, I have, a, I have a hope of heaven. But it's not a wishing and a hoping. I know that one day I'm going to spend all of eternity in heaven. I'll either kick off and, you know, plant me in a box someplace, but I'll be in the presence of the Lord. It'll either be that or we're going to get caught up together in the air and we're going to meet him in the air. 
But I, I know, even though I've not experienced it yet, I know that heaven belongs to me. And that's the hope that I have. And every one of us in this room, I hope you have the hope. I don't want you to have a hope, I want you to have the hope. And the hope is the hope of heaven. The assurance that what Jesus paid that price, he paid it for you. So that you might spend all of eternity in his presence. Let us hold fast our confession of our hope. So we see that what we say about it is extremely important. What we say about things that are occurring around us are extremely important. You know, uh, I'm not going to go there. Thought better of it. But people wonder why certain things are going on around them. Check out the words that are coming out of your mouth. You know, we curse this, we curse that. You know, the Bible says out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings. He says this ought not to be. And so it comes out of our mouth ought to be words of blessing. We ought to be speaking blessing over our nation. We ought to be speaking blessing over our families. We ought to be speaking blessings over our community. We ought to be speaking blessings over our jobs. We ought to be speaking blessings and not cursings. Because I believe that we will ultimately have what we say. The words that come out of our mouth, they're productive, they're going to produce. And so we need to guard the words that come out of our mouth. We must hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. You know, it tells us in, in Mark 11, 23, uh, 23 we, I made reference to this earlier, but in, in, in Mark eleven twenty three, it says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will, will be done, he'll have whatever he says. So the words that we speak are extremely important. Now the mountains here, I believe the mountains are referring to any, any difficulty that we have in life, any, anything that's trying to hold us back, anything that's trying to keep us from experiencing the fullness of what God's made available to us. And he says what we're to do is we're to, we're to speak to it. Not talk about it, because that's our tendency. Our tendency is to talk about the problems in life. But it doesn't say talk about your problems. He says speak to it and say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. And he says, if you don't doubt it, it's going to be done for you. Now, it doesn't say that it's going to be done immediately, but it does say that it's going to be done. And so that's where we have to hold on to our confession, that we continually, consistently speak the same thing to that mountain. If it's sickness, mountain, be moved in Jesus' name, because by the stripes of Jesus, I've been healed. 
You have no authority in my life because I've been redeemed from you through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by his stripes that I've been healed. If it's lack, Father, I thank you that Jesus became poor so that I might become rich. I thank you that he supplies all. You supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And hold fast to that confession. Remember when we were up in Wapaka, Wisconsin, and we didn't know where our money was going to come from for groceries. And uh, we had to speak to the situation. Not because we just wanted to, but because I wanted to eat. You know, I'll I, I tell you, uh, faith is different in a lot of different parts of the world than it is here. Because in other parts of the world, they live by faith out of necessity. What we don't realize is we live by faith by necessity too. But we often don't realize it because we're so self-sufficient. We need to be in the place where, Father, I can't accomplish anything without you. I can't survive without you. And so we need to be constant in our confession so that we see the manifestation of whatever it is that we're believing for. And so we had a, we, we, we spoke to it by faith and, and uh, you know, we, we sat down to figure out a budget one time and we, we finally put everything away because it wasn't gonna work. You know, budget really only works when you have more money coming in than you have going out. And, and we came to the conclusion, I don't know what's happening here, but whatever it is, we better believe that it keeps working and it did. You know, we never missed a house payment, never missed a utility payment. Obviously, I never missed a meal. You know, but it was because we never lost hope. We continue to look to Him. That's where we need to be. We need to look to Him and trust in Him. Speak to those mountains. Believe that those mountains are going to be cast into the sea. That means they're not going to have any kind of an impact upon your life any longer. In Jesus' name. But you have to begin to speak it out. And you see, I think we got weary of doing that. You know, the Bible says, don't ever become weary of well-doing. Don't ever become weary of doing what the will of God is. Don't ever become weary of following His directions and His instructions. And I think for many Christians, they became weary because they confessed the Word, but they they didn't see the manifestation in what they would consider to be a timely manner. Well, there's no time frame that's involved in it. We do it until we see the manifestation. And that doesn't matter how long it may be. You know, I look back on some of the old time Christians that I had the opportunity to, to know and to meet and and some of them didn't live at the standard that I believe God would have wanted them to live at. But they had something. They had this, this confidence. They had this belief. They had this assurance that God was their provider, that God was all sufficient for them. And no matter what came their way in life, they were going to be victorious because of Jesus. Jesus. 
And that's where we need to be. Now, the thing about it is, is we've, we've, we've taken another step into glory. We, we have his promises. We can stand upon the promises of God. And let's not grow weary, but let's continue to trust him. Psalms 107, 2. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Don't be ashamed of your position in Christ Jesus. You are the righteousness of God in Christ, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus did for you. And so don't allow anything to steal that from you. Don't allow anything to discourage you in that area. Continue to walk in the fullness and declare who you are. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am healed, I am whole, I am complete. I am everything that God said that I am. That's who I am. And so it's not about knowing all the attributes of God, but it's knowing how those attributes of God apply in your life, how they apply to you, so that you can walk in the fullness of what he's made available to each and every one of us. And so we talked about renewing our minds. We talked about confessing the word because, you know, they're intertwined with one another. Because when you begin to speak out the word of God and you're hearing it, it, it changes your thinking. And then the third point is meditate or ponder the word. You know, <clears throat> to meditate means to, to mutter. You know, it speaks of how when Mary heard all these things about her, her child Jesus, says she took all those things and she, she pondered them in her heart. When we see the truths of God's word, we need to meditate upon them. And we, we hear that word meditation and we, we get all kinds of weird thoughts going through our mind. But it just simply means to, to ponder, to think about. And so what that means is through the day, when you've, when you've read the Word of God, that Word is there and you can, you can think about it through the day. You're driving down the road and you're concentrating on the road before you, but you can, you can still be pondering. You can still be thinking about that scripture that you read this that morning. You know, the farmers as they're out in the field and, and, and they're able to ponder, they're able to think about that word of God. You, you encounter a situation in life. It reminds you of something that you've read and you can, you can ponder that. You can, you can think upon that. We live such busy lifestyles. I was reading a book on, on uh, raising children. And in the book it was talking about how, how parents feel like they've got to entertain their kids all the time. And in the book this psychiatrist or psychologist, whatever he was, he made this statement. He said, if your children are periodically bored, you're doing a good job. Because they ought not to be entertained all the time. 
goes back to my first soapbox this morning. There ought to be times where they don't have anything to do, where they're bored enough that they'll sit down and they'll pick up a book and read it. But you know what? We're the, we're the same way. We want to be we want to be entertained all the time. But you know what? There needs to be those times in our day where we can sit back in our favorite chair and turn off the TV, not, not allowing them to dictate to you what you're going to think any longer, and sit back in your chair, not even with a book. You just sit there and you think on the things of God. You meditate on the things of God. And, and, and that can happen throughout our days. It says to keep the Word of God before us day and night, continuously. That doesn't mean that, that when I'm on the job I can walk around with my Bible open, reading all the time, or walking down the street. No, it's not what it's talking about. But when it gets into our hearts, it's constantly before us. In every situation that we encounter, can be another opportunity to grow in the things of God, to, to experience what he's made available to us. I made reference to this, but, but let me read it to you. In, in Joshua 1.8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it, day and night, that you may observe to do according uh, to what is written in it. For then, when, after we've meditated on the Word of God, day and night, why do we meditate on it? So that we can do it. It isn't just so that we can take a test and pass the test because we've memorized so many scriptures. So that it's in our heart. Once that word is in our heart, we begin to be doers of the word. It isn't just reading it once in a while. It's meditating on it. It gets down deep on the inside of us to where we believe that this word is the answer for every circumstance, every situation that I encounter in life. And so after I've meditated on the Word, and as I've thought on that Word, it, it gets down into my heart, and then it says, for then you will make your way prosperous. After you've meditated on the Word of God so that it becomes so much a part of you that you do it, you'll make your way successful, you'll make your way prosperous, and you will have good Success. I want good success. I don't want to be just, I don't want to just have success. I want to have good success. And good success means we are successful in every area of our life. Financially, health-wise, socially, economically. Every area of our life, we are to be successful. And it's the Word of God that will produce that in each of our lives as we follow after Him. And so, this book of the law, the Word of God, 
It's to be part of our everyday life, part of everything that we do, not something that we just kind of tack on there once in a while. It's to be part of our life. In, in 1 Timothy 4.15, it says, meditate on these things. Think on these things. Ponder on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress might be evident to all. You know, sometimes you're going through life and you just feel like I'm just not, just not making the progress that I'd like in my, in my walk. And then one day somebody comes up to you and they say, wow, things have really changed for you. What are you talking about? Well, we can just see in your life that things have changed. You see, what's happening is because you're taking in the Word of God, because you're speaking the Word of God, because you're meditating on that Word of God, it's, it's producing a change in your life that you're not even totally aware of because it's occurring. Most of you have heard me share this, but Pastor Becky and I, we used to play Pinochle quite often with uh, Ron and Donna Nissens when they lived in town here. And, and we had moved away. We'd gone to Missouri, and I think we were even up in Wisconsin at this time. And we were back for a weekend, and we were, we were going to play cards. And so we sat down, and we were playing Pinochle. We were playing cards. And after a little while, um, they looked at us, and they said, man, we can tell things have really changed in your life. We looked at each other and said, well, what, what are you talking about? Say, well, we, you know, when we used to play, you used to always give these little digs to one another. You know what I'm talking about? These little digs to one another. And then you'd laugh afterwards like you didn't mean it. <laughs> they said, we knew you meant it. But you don't do it anymore. But it wasn't because we tried not to do that anymore. It was because something changed on the inside of us. You know, you can, you can try to change your language. But, but that's, that only works as long as you're concentrating on it. But when you've got the Word of God on the inside of when you've meditated on the, on, on the things of God, and something inappropriate begins to come out of your mouth, you know, and it, it brings about that change that you want to produce in your life. But it's not you doing it. It's the Holy Spirit doing it in you through the working of the Word. And that's how He wants to change us in every area of our life, meditating these things, giving yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to everybody else. See, ultimately, that's really what we want is, you know, our Christian walk isn't really, it's, it's not all about me. It's about how am I influencing? How is my life affecting those around me? What do they see? You know, whether we like it or not, 
We all, we all live in a glass house. Everybody's watching everything that you do. And you say, well, pastor, I don't think it's fair. Well, tough. That's just how it is. Because this world that we're living in, yes, they're, they're looking for fault in us. But, but this is the other thing that I'm convinced of. I'm convinced the people in the world are looking for somebody to be able to make it. They want to see somebody that no matter what the circumstances are around them, they're not falling apart. They're walking victoriously. They're, they're, because they're looking for hope. And they don't have enough word in them to be able to find hope in the word, but they can see it in our lives. When we go through a difficult time, when we go through a crisis, and we come through it and we, we still love God and we still love people and we're still upbeat. And yes, there may be those moments that we're down, but by and large, we're living victoriously. That's what the world wants to see because they don't have it. Because everything that they have is dependent upon what they can see with their physical eyes. Ours is not a hope that's based solely upon what we can see with our physical eyes. It's what we know in our hearts. It's what we know to be true. And then the fourth point is pray. We looked at renewing our minds. We looked at confessing the word. We looked at meditate and pondering the word. And now prayer. But you know, for us to pray, we have to pray with confidence. Once again, it's not a wishing and a hoping. Remember Brother Hagen sharing one time that he is in a meeting, and before the meeting they were praying, and, and in the prayer the, they were in the back room, and those around in the circle began to pray, Oh God, oh God. Some way, somehow, some way, somehow. Oh, God, do something. Some way, somehow. And he says, I wanted to walk out the room because Jesus is the way and the Holy Ghost is the how. You have the way and you have the how. You have Jesus and you have the Holy Ghost. And we need to have confidence in him. Notice it was singular. Them, the three in one, the Trinity, God. And when we have that confidence, all of a sudden what happens is we trust him completely. We stop judging and we stop condemning and we stop disqualifying certain people because of this, that, or the other thing because it isn't about them, it's about Jesus. And we begin to look at our own life and, you know, Oftentimes, our greatest hindrance is ourselves because we know our failings. We know our shortcomings. But what we've got to do is come to the realization that God wants to bless us more than we want to be blessed. He wants to fulfill those needs in our life more than we even want to 
see them fulfilled. In Luke, the 18th chapter, it says, in the first verse, it says, Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought to pray and not lose heart. Pray and not lose heart. Another translation, I think, there it says, pray and not faint. Oftentimes we pray, but we faint. We pray, but we lose heart. But we, because we, we don't have an expectation. Again, you've heard me share this, how back when we were, before we were out here, my office was in, in the house, and I can remember the day that I'm going through the Des Moines Register, looking at the plumbing jobs. That's when they still listed jobs in the Des Moines Register. But I was looking to see if there's any plumbing jobs. And because I was thinking, I don't need this. I was feeling stressed. I was feeling overwhelmed. Don't you all feel sorry for me? You know, you know, feel like this, this is just too much, you know, because now I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, why didn't I just stay in the denomination that I grew up in? Because we prayed, but we really didn't expect anything to happen. Can you identify with it? I mean, we, we had our prayer requests, but we didn't really expect anything to happen because, you know, you just never know about God. See, now I know about God. I know that he told us as his sons, as his daughters, that to follow his example, that we're to go about doing good, healing those who are oppressed of the devil. He told us that we shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, that we are to do the works of Jesus. And see, all of a sudden, I'm feeling overwhelmed because I'm feeling that it depends on me, that it's my responsibility. But it isn't my responsibility. It's not dependent upon me. It's dependent upon Jesus. And that's why when you see somebody that's ill or somebody that has a need in their life and this rises up on the inside of you that you should go over there and pray for them and your immediate response is get ye behind me Satan because you don't want to do it but it rises up again you see it's not dependent upon you the only thing that is dependent upon you is your obedience that you be willing to go and lay your hands on that individual and see him rise up healed. Well, pastor, what if nothing happens? Yeah, but what if something does? You see, we gotta be stop, we gotta stop being glass half empty Christians. And we need to be, start to be glass half full Christians and continue to fill it until it overflows. And so Jesus spoke to them in parables. And then he said, men ought to pray and not lose heart. So you've prayed for people. You've prayed for yourself. You've prayed for your needs. You've prayed for that 
individual whose life is all screwed up. You've prayed for them, but you haven't seen anything happen yet. That's what I want to tell you today. Don't lose heart. Don't faint. Don't give up. Don't change your confession. Keep your confession positive. Don't allow the words that are never going to happen to come out of your mouth. Because you have what the Bible says belongs to you. And we believe it, and so we speak it. But we've got to know what the Word says. We've got to know what He says belongs to us. We've got to change the way that we look at it and the way we think about it. We've got to have that confidence that if God says it, that settles it from now to eternity. Because God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Then finally, let me read from James, the fifth chapter in the 16th verse. And again, I want to read it out of the Amplified. And it says, Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, for your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. You have dynamic power working in and through you through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within you. And it says that this power is available to that righteous man. The prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. Well, you know, Pastor, that says, you know, a righteous man. So what we need to do is hunt down and find a righteous man. You're that righteous man because you're the righteousness of God in Christ. And he says, as that righteous man, tremendous power has been made available to you to speak and declare what Jesus has done for you, in you, through you. Don't allow, don't allow the lies, the deceptions to steal from you what God has made available to you. Healing power, delivering power. Speak the word. Meditate in the Word. Allow it to become big within you so that nothing, absolutely nothing, can steal that confidence that you have in what Jesus wants to do through you. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Father, that in every circumstance, anything that we might encounter, 
you have an answer. You have a way of escape. And Father, we've looked to everything else. And Father, I pray that we'll look to you, that we'll look to your word. And Father, I pray for each individual that as they take up your word, pick up your word, and begin to read it and study it and to meditate on it, that you'll bring it to life, that they'll see truth as they've never seen it before. Father, we want you to be demonstrated through our lives. And Father, we ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And so as you go, go in his peace, his strength, and his love. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Give somebody a hug. Let them know you love them.